so I've gotten a couple of emails about this. Uh, people say that when I start the show, uh, like I am right now, I just start the show. I just start talking. And uh, yeah, I do. I do do it that way. What, what else should I do? Perhaps a, a trumpet of some kind to herald that the show is beginning? I don't even know if the show has the budget uh, to afford the sound of a trumpet to announce the show is actually getting underway. Oh, I stand corrected. I guess we did have the money uh, to buy a trumpet sound. We probably don't have anything left after that, uh, so we can't eat for a couple of weeks, uh, but it was worth it because that trumpet was powerful. Let's do it again. Can we do it one more time? I'm asking our sound engineer, Chris Chen. One more time, Chris. It's strangely satisfying. Now I feel I really have to perform. The pressure is on. I better come up with the goods. You know what? There's no pressure. Because the beginning of the show was where I read letters that you guys write to me. So really, the content comes from you. Like, for example, this letter from Harper, who writes from Washington, D.C. Harper writes, Hey, Alex, longtime listener and first-time reader. I just finished reading your new YA book, Malro and the Midnight Organ Fight, and wanted to tell you how much I loved it. It was a welcome escape from the unrest and the turmoil of the outside world. I fell in love with the characters, your dialogue, and the world which you created. I have to ask, I need to know, what was your inspiration? And do you already have a sequel in mind? Please say yes. Congratulations on what's sure to be a smash hit. Well, Harper, first of all, thank you for reading the book, buying the book, and liking the book. Kind of a triathlon of validation there. I'm so glad you liked it. I really am. That uh, means a lot. Uh, the inspiration for Malraux and the Midnight Organ fight was, putting it very simply, Sherlock Holmes. My book is basically a shameless cover version, uh, but with a kind of frenetic Rick and Morty pace. I always liked that fire and ice dynamic of Holmes and Watson. And when I was a kid and I read Sherlock Holmes, I always found the dynamic between those two friends far more interesting than the crimes themselves. So my book appears to be about murder. But it's really about friendship. And yes, there is a sequel to Malraux that's already in the works. By the way, I just got to say this. The reaction to my book has been wonderful. These two teenage detectives that I wrote about uh, who have a very difficult and challenging friendship uh, add to that a string of dead bodies and a weird thrash metal club. Well, it's a strange book, but it's been yielding some marvelous fan mail. And I'm very, very appreciative. Thank you to all of you who have hit up your indie bookstore for the book. And uh, thank you to all of you who've written, tweeted, Instagrammed, and uh, told all your friends about it. The book is selling, which is great. But what's more gratifying is that these two characters I created get to meet all of you. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Do you doubt me? You say, Thomas, believe me, I promise to love you, but I know your words have no merit. Do you doubt me? Well, as Thomas, I've seen how a promise deceives me again and again and again. I just grin and I bear it. Yeah, call me a fool. Tell me I'm wrong, but until you can prove it, quit singing your song. Yeah, I see the light in the shadow of doubt. Just give me the facts, I can find my way out. But you're lost in the dark, so headstrong and devout. But I see the light in the shadow of doubt. I see the light in the shadow of doubt. That is the music of my guest today on the program, Satin Nickel. I got a couple of them with me, by the way. Let me tell you a little bit about Satin Nickel. All right, so it's a popular belief that if you really want to test a romantic relationship, go camping. If, after a few days in the wilderness, you and your partner didn't kill each other and are more united than ever, well, you've got a good thing going. If not, then find someone else to go camping with. 
I went camping with my girlfriend many years ago, and though I'm not the rugged camping type, those were the days when I had long hair and a beard, and I dressed like a roadie for Pearl Jam, so I looked like a rugged camping type. So I was pulling it off, but one morning I woke up, and a centipede was in my sleeping bag, and I, well, I screamed. And uh, that was the end of that charade. Needless to say, before too long, she was camping with other people. My point here is that the COVID-19 era equivalent of going camping to test a relationship is sheltering in place. And that's precisely what three-fifths of Satin Nickel did. And guess what? Nobody screamed at a centipede and nobody killed each other. In fact, sheltering in place, just like it did for our pals Bandits on the Run seemed to bring an already close band even closer. An arresting and powerful quintet, the Colonel of Satin Nickel got its start at UC Irvine when theater majors Morgan Hollingsworth and Samantha Anison met and started jamming. After college, they moved to New York, met more theater kids, drummer Nicola and cellist Ariana, then they added bassist Andrew, and the band's sound started to really become more full-bodied and powerful. Satin Nickel are a hard band to categorize and pin down. It's Americana, it's blues, it's hard rock, it's folk. They've got big crunchy riffs, lilting vocals, inventive percussion, affecting melodies. But the balance of introspection with aggression, vulnerability with muscle, makes them one of the most inventive and arresting outfits out there. Their new album, Shadow of a Doubt, is marvelous. And trust me, one listen, you'll be hooked. And one listen to this interview will also make you hooked. These are truly lovely and thoughtful people. So enjoy my conversation with Satin Nickel right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. First of all, just how have you been? Are you guys holding up in the in the quarantine? Is it getting old? Are you are you staying creative? How are you feeling generally? Um, I I feel pretty decent about it. Um, like I mean, as decent as you can feel about it. But um, yeah, I haven't felt like I've gotten to a point where I'm going crazy or anything. I haven't been very productive creatively, unfortunately. But I think that's still yet to come hopefully <laughs> it's also a weird time where it's like we have the opportunity to like create everything we could we could like shakespeare wrote king lear in quarantine but like right. it's also a stressful time so it's so it's it's hard to sometimes find that creativity when you're so stressed about your future what so. it's going to look like and we were planning on um you know we had material that we've been working on and writing and stuff but we really had been planning because we just came out with an album this month or this past month and we'd been planning on playing throughout the summer, um, touring off that album, and then you know, then writing more later. But yeah, you kind of have to re and reassess and figure it out. Oh shoot! There are times where you say, if only I had more time, I'd be able to get more done. And it's almost mm-hmm. like I, I know a lot mm-hmm. of writers who will schedule the time that they'll write every morning from five to whatever. I, I, I'm a writer. I personally, I can't do that. Um, now that I feel there's so much time, I almost feel pressure. Like, you better come out of this quarantine with a new book, otherwise you've blown it. Um, do, you, do you guys yeah. feel like, oh, my God, now I have to be creative and, I, and I'm not being able to do it because it feels almost like it's imposed on you? It's I've, I've been going back and forth, I think, at, at the end of the day. It's self-care. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself. But you've also you. been, like, I feel like the most, like, creative during this time. Because he has, like, other projects he's working on like he's working on a musical yeah I've, I've been working on a musical with a friend of mine in LA for uh years now and it's been hard with different schedules and she's on the opposite coast and so now we're like all right this is our chance we can pound out right. some things we've been working hard at that mm-hmm. but there are some days where it's like sometimes the songs just aren't there it's the anxiety that everybody feels like it's harder to be function as functional on it because you're kind of just trying to cope <laughs> with it. But at the same time, it's also great to see like, first of all, we're all in the same boat. And second of all, it's seeing how people come together during these difficult times. And like, especially being in New York, seven o'clock every night, everybody's like like cheering for for all the healthcare workers and 
yeah and applause and car horns and everything and the the community around that it, it's there's still a positive atmosphere that we're we're trying to keep going that's true mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I want to make sure I have everyone's name correctly here. So on my left, I've got. On my left is. is that, oh, this is, this is your left right here. No, yeah, so, so Morgan. Morgan on the. Uh, okay, so right. Morgan, Morgan here on uh, on my on my right, I guess. Okay, so Morgan. Oh, okay. And then the, this is Nicola. Yes, Nicola. Okay. And, and then, then I'm Sam. Okay. All right. I want to make sure I had that correctly. Okay. Um, so has uh, it's interesting i the, the people i've spoken to and i've I, it's i've talked to a lot of people because everyone's home um and everyone's available to be interviewed um everyone has talked about the idea that there that there's been this kind of creative burst um and i like hearing the fact that there's a little bit of struggle with the creativity where it feels like um that you're kind of bumping up against it a little bit i like hearing that because i'm having that too um, and I feel I feel like there is there's ample time, but it's also uncertain time, and it's a time of worry about the human race. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. kind yeah. of playing with people's brains a little bit too. Are you guys feeling the weight of the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think like there's a lot of things that people go through individually, whether it's you know they're dealing with loss of employment or worrying about family and friends or worrying about themselves, worrying about the economy, like what it's all gonna look like. Like you can't help but feel the weight of that. Um, I, I feel like I'm at a point where I've kind of let myself just relax <laughs> for the past couple months, just like, just like be a human being, like be okay with the simplicity of it, I guess. And now I'm more interested in like addressing those feelings. Cause for me, songwriting and all that's always meant to be something that's cathartic and, and helps me process things. I'm not, I, that's usually when I like will start writing something. And so now I feel like I'm at a place where I really want to start processing those things by writing about them. But yeah, I mean, it took a lot of just being you know, a piece of crap <laughs> for weeks. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and yeah. the, it's interesting also because when we write, we're writing about ourselves, right? How mm -hmm. we feel, how we're processing. And right now, this this moment is about the human race, humanity. Um, and it almost feels like I'm working on a, a new novel, a comedic novel, and it almost feels silly to be writing about something so silly when there's something so, um, heavy happening outside the window it almost feels wrong i don't know i mean nicola how are you coping with all this or is the moment is it pretty heavy for you too i mean i think it's forced us to reflect on you know certainly i felt that pressure too i've you know anytime i log into social media if i see a friend's story or a post of like here's this song i wrote or here's this poem i wrote or my like, god damn like people are turning stuff out but at the same time i think been a nice reminder to uh, to try not to force that stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and if you're not feeling it, like it, just because someone else put something out doesn't necessarily mean oh I must like, because who's counting, <laughs> you know? Right. It's kind right. of what I've. Right. I mean, not to say like totally hang it up, but like yeah, if you're not feeling it right now, fine. If you are, go for it. Like, write your coronavirus, uh, you know musical or not that his musical is about but if there is something that you can put everything towards like without forcing it I think for sure go for it yeah and and in terms of songwriting duties how are they divided in the band Sam and I tend to split the load um we've been uh lately it's been uh, I write a song bring it to the band Sam writes a song bring it to the band uh, we're uh, we're trying to work on some uh, some real collaborations and yeah. So much of it was kind of like the just the process of figuring out the band. I mean, we started out with Nicola and then our cellist Ariana, and then decided we needed a bassist or whatever. But it was mostly like you know Morgan and I started it and realized we wanted it to be like more involved in that respect, like sonically, and and we bring these people in and and. We're, we're kind of reticent to say like in any way people will always be like oh it's your project it's your project and we're like I, I mean like yeah we write the songs we come up with the melodies and the like 
know, the structure of it, but ultimately it's so filled out arrangement wise by everybody else. And, it, you know, and, you know, making it a goal not to dictate that and like letting everybody have their own voice makes them as much of a part of the songwriting process I feel as we are. We just mm -hmm. provide the layout. Right, right. Uh, was there ever a discussion about delaying the album's release as you guys saw what was happening or did you just think like mm -hmm. full, st full steam ahead on this? Well, we actually had already delayed it. We were going to release it in November, but then we uh, were connected with a publicist and we decided we wanted to wait and like release it in the best, like the smartest way as like, a, as like business people, you know, we're artists, we're not very good at business. <laughs> and so we're trying to be like, okay, no, like, let's not just throw it out there. Let's actually like do this methodically. And um, so we had already put it off from November to April and then when the time came around, it was just like, we can't keep, we don't want to put it off again. So we'll just put it out and then just move forward like everybody else, just one day at a time. I don't know. And there have been artists that have also had the same idea of like, you know, that we do feel like music right now is very important. So yeah. let's just put, put out the content as is. What better time to like listen to music? Yeah, for exactly. sure. A lot so. of people are thinking it's like a good time to, yeah. but it's just a hard time to, I mean, I don't know, the, the live stream thing is really interesting because you reach people you otherwise wouldn't have and you actually get a lot of people watching it, especially if it's, we've been doing ones with like publications and things like that. But you're so used to the old school method of, of promoting an album, which is like play a bunch of shows then, and also do the stuff online. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's weird, you know. The thing about those live streams, though, was that, sorry, just to no, get this in real quick, was, um, you know, we finally figured out a, an acoustic arrangement to our songs that we're really satisfied with, and mm -hmm. we've been meaning to figure that out for quite a while. Yeah, totally. So this finally put us in the position where we had to do it. Yeah, I think there's been a kind of pandemic pivot where I think you are sort of forced to innovate and come up with with new new ways of delivering the music or communicating with your fans. And, and that's very cool in, in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. And I've heard nothing but positive things from bands um, and, and solo musicians about that experience. I mean, everybody has had nothing but positive things to say, which makes me feel like good because, you know, as you were talking about business, you know, it's like there, this is how you make a living. and live mm -hmm. music is really such an important part of revenue um mm -hmm. you know because the market has changed so much and how we buy music and don't buy music and right. um to have yeah. that taken away from you is really is really quite a hit so yeah you know how have you guys responded to that um you know in terms of financial worry because obviously that is an enormous component of of how you live your lives mm -hmm. I mean, none of us, we're not at a point where we're really making our living from this. Like we've, it's, we're still like, you know, only two or three years old of a band and um, still like putting a lot more capital into it than we get out of it. Um, I know a lot of artists are doing things with merch and now they're like charging for, um, you know, like ex exclusivity in these live streams, but it does really bring a lot of worry to what's going to happen and like, how people will be able to make money as musicians and what the market's going to look like because like i feel like there are going to be a lot fewer opportunities after all of this um and who knows what you know live shows are going to be like with uh proximity to each other you know so uh, we just have no idea what it's going to look like so it's hard to think about the projection of the financial reality yeah, it's it's interesting because my my day job is I'm a professor, and mm -hmm. they've been talking a lot about my students for the fall, which is sort of like you know we're trying to make it safe for the students, so we want the students to come back in the fall. Nobody has said one word about the safety of the professors. Um, mm -hmm. Not one word. <laughs> the beginning of this, and I and I just feel I, I you can tell I'm a little fired up about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so arguably like, more. <laughs> yeah, it's like what? So I mean, I, I teach at a, at a small liberal arts um, college outside of Berkeley called St. Mary's. We're, we're, we're known mm -hmm. for our basketball program. We're a very small school, very beautiful, um, and it is 
an expensive school to go to. And so there's a lot of talk about the students, the students, the students, which is true. But when the semester started, all of my students were sick, I noticed, which is really kind of strange for February 11th. Um, mm-hmm. And I was watching this and I watched it sort of, at one point it was literally like teaching in an infirmary. I'm only bringing this up because people are talking about, will the fans go to live shows again? But my concern is, sure, with them, yeah. but also the performers. Will the performers, mm-hmm. A, feel comfortable going back into a small club, playing a show? And then two, what about meet and greets? I mean, doesn't that change the whole dynamic of that as well? Wouldn't you be not, you know, have you guys thought about this? I actually never, I didn't really think about it that way, especially because like as an audience member, right, you can wear masks. Right. And uh, if you're, I mean, like, I guess Nico, but we can't wear masks. The rhythm section can wear masks. Yeah. <laughs> the rhythm section can wear masks. You can't, right? So you guys are chill. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring your own microphone, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but you true. literally can't do that, right? I mean, you're, you're, you have to be unmasked. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's also, it's such a weird time too, because right now the virus, I keep thinking about what the virus is going to be because, you know, almost inevitably it sounds like they mutate and there's a second wave. And that's right. all way worse than the first. So like right now, a lot of young people are being like, oh, well, it's not really going to, it's probably not going to affect me, blah, blah, blah. But like it will <laughs> eventually. Yes. And that's going to be a, probably a scarier place to operate from. And I think people are going to be way more cautious. But, you know, we have played a lot of shows where the front row of people was much more than six feet away. That's true. <laughs> we just tell them all of it. They might just do that, honestly. But it's, yeah, it's they're really, very used to staying far away. They honestly. would have to really work on like ventilation, I suppose, because you can't like open windows in a live music venue no. because of the noise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no. But <laughs> yeah, even if they're six feet apart, there's no ventilation, like that's even worse. So I guess they'd have to troubleshoot some kind of ventilation. <laughs> yeah, it really does and i mean you guys probably do meet and greets after shows um do you do those after afterwards yeah you know people approach the merch table and stuff right. or just us hanging out at the bar after mm-hmm. yeah i mean we're we still like hang out yeah, and stuff we, like that we stick around for the other sets so um, yeah and just stick around for the other artists and, and their shows and their mm-hmm. fans yeah. I mean, it's something to think about. I saw um, Alana Davis about a year ago in a really small club in San Francisco. And at the end, there was a line of people waiting and every single person hugged her. And and that's pre, obviously pre-coronavirus. And now you think like, mm-hmm. well, what does that look like? What will that look like now? I and mean, that is something, the safety of the artist is something to really consider. And I, I think I'm not hearing a lot about that. That's so true. Because mm-hmm. well, your people are just so concerned valid. about if people are going to even want to go to the shows, let right. alone. Because obviously the performers are going to want to perform. Like, I mean, I guess not obviously if they're mm-hmm. concerned about it. Um, I don't know. I mean, the hope, I guess, is just that we can, like, that science can somehow get ahead of this. But who knows? I mean. There's a lot of question marks right now. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. So it's. A lot, a lot of us just like to wait and see how things develop before we like right. come yeah. up with, the with different plans. It is, I would say, though, like a nice exercise in being present, which is something that, you know, technology has kind of taken from us. And while we are still on our computers and our phones and things like that, like, you kind of have to slow down a bit because you can't just keep, you're not moving through life at the same pace. It's just like day to day. That's right. That's right. And and that being said, what have you guys? Let's let's go with something positive. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> back to into the into the darkness. Um, something positive here. What has what is something good that has come out of this? Have you learned stillness? Have you learned self care in a way that maybe you hadn't before? Have you repositioned the way you think you think about these things? Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a big reminder of the things that we've taken for granted so much like I'm not one to, I, I haven't really been one to like I really go outside or like really immerse myself in the natural world or anything and so now I'm like locked in a New York apartment and looking out the windows like <laughs> maybe I just like sit under that tree for a bit 
Um, I, I definitely think that this time has been beneficial for me, like on my, like my self care and growth and things like that. Um, you know, we've been able to like work on the apartment and like organize things that, cause I'm kind of, um, I'm more of an anxious person. Like I let things get away from me and pile up and we're all the, you know, you're, everybody's the kind of person who, if their space is messed up, it bothers them whether they understand that or not. Right. And so like when you have the time to really take care of your space and um, organize it and set it up in a way that suits you, it helps you for being productive later, which is nice, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really that's a really good point. Is that is that people who live in disorder don't even realize that the disorder is having an effect on them, right? Even though they feel like yeah. that cares, it really is having an effect. Yeah, or you just like mute whatever you're, you know, you just shake it off. You're like, oh, I'm just feeling this. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we feel that we don't know why we feel them. Right. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, definitely taking care of your space and. Um, I don't know, Nicola and I are both uh, really into biking, so we've been out doing that a lot, which is a really nice, like, quarantine exercise. Yeah. yeah. Have people, have people shouted things at you, like, wear a mask when you're biking? Have you, or have you found people in the world at large are fairly supportive and people are being pretty cool? Yeah, we're on, we do wear masks anytime we're outside, but I will say, yeah, I, I New York really, I think, wrote the book more than once on bouncing back and coming together in times of crisis. And um, yeah. it's from small to big, you really do see a, a lot of examples beyond, you know, like Morgan said, the applause at seven, but uh, you know, there's been some really cool GoFundMe campaigns started, like one of which I've been donating to uh, brings meals from local Brooklyn restaurants that are doing delivery and takeout to frontline workers. Um, and they've served like, almost 100,000 meals now. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's see, that's really cool. I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely cool to be in a city during this. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of reasons that it's not cool. <laughs> but, right. but seeing stuff like that. Yeah, great. yeah, people have each other's backs here. And you know, that's something I think will always be a part of this city's like fabric. Yeah, my friend lives uh, near you guys and he bikes through Central Park every day and he said it's been, it's been great he's like thank god i can do that thank god they haven't closed central park oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean i don't i think that's really i think it's necessary in new york for the parks to be open i mean but the people are still i mean as they're doing everywhere else it's like if it's really nice out especially in a place like new york where we have winters that people suffer through and then when the summer comes they're like oh we did it we got out right and then have that taken away i mean but the parks are just packed if it's like a really nice day and yeah. it's it's so troubling yeah i mean that's the other thing is that if this had hit in november um and suddenly everyone's sheltering a place and it's gloomy outside and you really don't want to go outside i feel mm -hmm. the dynamic might, might be totally different um, yeah absolutely. yeah in yeah. some ways it would be easier to contain you know because people really aren't going to go out but on the other hand like mental health is very important in this time and i think that people are already struggling let alone if it was like you know people have seasonal depressive issues for sure yeah for sure. yeah it's just vitamin d deficiency well i mean and that's that's why people have to go outside because so it's like you you understand why people are going outside but at the same time you don't understand why they're all taking up the same space. <laughs> yes. And isn't there a moment where you get on the bike where something clicks and you go, wow, I just feel really good all of a sudden. Like the, that endorphin. Immediately. Oh, right. sure. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like good. you're mainlining it. And it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Biking is yeah, night and day the best. Yeah. Night and day. I'm a sinner. I'm on the run for doing in the woman who done me wrong. My old guitar and a flimsy sack and the weight of the world upon my back. Now wash my sins in the devil's blood. What's dead is dead and what's done is done. I'm a running from heaven and I'm running from hell. Could I ever outrun my lover's ghost well? Just keep running.
my past in the arms of the woman who put me last. Her final breath was my last goodbye. If you ever catch me, you can hang me high. I take the first 25 minutes and talk about the uh, the seriousness of the world, but I want to say that I love your album. Um, oh, it's, thank you. I mean, it really is just absolutely devastatingly beautiful, um, stunning work. Wow, um, thank you. It really is powerful. And I, I wonder for the, in terms of the song cycle, it seems very specific. And I think of things in a very kind of novelistic way. Uh, and maybe that's as a result of having grown up in the 80s where albums you front to back, right? It's yeah. like, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I think of like the Joshua Tree or I think of like, uh, you know, from the 70s, I think of like Dylan's work and it all feels, um, or like even the Replacements Tim album, it feels like this is like a novel to me. This yeah. is like Hemingway. This This front to back makes sense. And your album is so beautiful in that way that I really feel it unfolds and it begins and it ends in a very specific novelistic way and it's just marvelous work. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah I'm definitely the same camp of like full out I'm very holistic when I like to listen. I'll listen to singles but like I really like to hear the breadth of the work because I think a lot of songs sound better in context in that way mm, yeah. but yeah it's also just very fun to put together an album and like create the flow of it yeah that's cool that you had that response thank you yeah it's like writing a novel or, or a musical or, or just like having having some sort of like even if there's not a necessarily not necessarily a, a, a plot through line just some sort of like cohesiveness some sort of unit behind it mm-hmm. it makes it feel like a full a full piece instead of just one song like i, I have a hard time dealing with like single songs and single streams i'm like i like want to hear more of the picture Mm-hmm. you're more of a picture that's what i just said <laughs> no right, and like because i remember in high school we would at lunch i remember a very specific conversation where we talked about what were the what are the best album closers of all time mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> like what album and i remember thinking i remember mine was like here comes a regular by the replacements or good feeling by the violent femmes or and i still remember those as you've been on a journey and the journey it's kind of like gymnastics where like you see all this great this amazing physical um feats at one after the other and then they got to stick that landing right yeah 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 right so gymnastics like someone will be crushing it and they go oh this is amazing 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 and then they hit the landing and then they kind of wobble and the announcer goes oh (laughs) after all that work so there is a lot of pressure on that last song and I thought you guys for this album, it's like that is a straight up killer. I mean, that is that's how you end an album, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Had, had, was that a discussion? Was that ever like, did you guys go, yeah, this is this is for sure how we're gonna end this? I uh, there was there was some discussion because uh, there's a there's another song uh, in the album Valley of Yankee Jim that that has that's like seven minute epic story. We weren't sure if we wanted to end it more on that sort of scale, but it I the the title of shadow of doubt seemed to encompass all the songs in some beautiful way that to yes. end up on that scene. it also has it's, it has a strong 
definitive. Yeah, it's also just like the, the feeling of, I felt like it was very intuitive for us. I mean, we didn't write these songs together and like crafting them in a way that we're like, this will be the through line of the piece. And like, it just right. ended up kind of being arranged that way. But, um, but yeah, like crafting how the, how the it's exactly that it's like all the imagery that you see like the journey that you take and then wanting something because like one of my favorite parts is the end like the the end of the last song and then the album starts over like as like growing up a cd listener yes freaking love that it's so good and i i think we do that well too like oh, i yes, really yes. love hearing train songs because it does feel like this it feels like it ended and now it feels like you're starting over again. Right. It's, like, it's a, yeah. It, yeah, it's very like, I, I like doing that. And we did also had a really interesting time in the mastering process with our engineer of like determining how much time between songs, you know, he would be like, okay, what we'll do is we'll listen to the last like 40 seconds of the song and then we'll let it play and then you tell, we'll let it end. And then you tell me when you, when you think the next song should start, just like say now. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That was so fun. <laughs> I've never even thought about that, but like there is power in that space. The yeah. space is as much a part of the album as the music. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've thought about it ever since, like, like designating that time. There's an artist that just came out with an album that I've been listening to and she ends this really powerful song and then just goes like, like, like a second and then the next song starts and it's like, Immediately, I was I was like, I felt like there should have been more time. Like I wanted to digest it a little bit more before the next thing started. And then the more I listened to the album, the more I'm like, oh, I actually really like that. That's cool. <laughs> it keeps you pulled in. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of strategy. I feel like to those things. Who is it that you're that you're talking about? Uh, Lennon Stella. She's a pop artist. Interesting. Yeah, I remember good. listening to Patty Griffin's "Living with Ghosts" when it first oh, yeah. came out. And I remember like the first song hits and you're just like, oh, fuck, <laughs> like, <laughs> give me a second. And then it, 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 and the time between those songs, because every song is like just literally opening up a vein. Um, <laughs> and the time in between, I never thought about it until you said it, um, yeah. where you have to almost like rest, like grab the side of the pool and take a breath before you jump <laughs> back in. That um, you're right, that's a, really, that's a really interesting way of, of talking about it. And also the last song, is it it really does carry the weight of the album it has to mm -hmm. sort of be able to support it foundationally mm -hmm. um and i think that the choice here is just so perfect it does that beautifully and it also reminds me of what you said about the idea of having a messy house and not knowing how it affects you i think <laughs> the last song may not even realize it but the last song is really affected by everything that comes before it too totally yeah, yeah right? for sure yeah because it's like it's the punctuation that's right it's the punctuation yeah. it's a, it's what ends that sort of um that sort of artistic sentence mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah exactly i would i would imagine that if if i ever was in your shoes making an album i would just labor over the song listing for years i wouldn't be able to decide <laughs> i feel like we did it so easy i mean maybe just like coming from like ha being a playlister, you know what I yeah, mean? Have right. like made a lot of mixed CDs growing oh, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just feel like that part was so intuitive. It was like, yeah. it's like when you, we make our set list, it's the same concept. It's like, cause you have to keep the energy moving. You can't have like too many ballads and like, you know, so it's, it's crafting the flow of it. Um, I think uh, part of it was cause uh, at least the, like the first five songs we had, we had, lived with for a while yeah and so we had an idea of, of how we wanted that to go yeah because we initially intended for this to be an ep oh, um, okay. and then we ended up having to wait um and so we were waiting for the release of it we we're put, pushing it off we're like well if we're gonna wait this long we might as well like we can add four more tracks and make it a full length um if we're gonna like spend so much time promoting and energy and so mm -hmm. uh, the last like the last four songs that we tacked on like they were things that we had just written or like one mm. of like one of them was like one of our first songs that we'd ever written but we just never brought to the band and then there were some new ones that morgan wrote so it all kind of came mm. in different times I, that's interesting that it was going to be an ep that's i didn't mm -hmm. i didn't know that yeah yeah because we had done an ep before and we were really 
not we didn't feel super good about the production of it because we were learning a lot and um you know we're funding it ourselves and so we found someone who was able to do it for us but you know it's we're the kind of band that we need to record as one like live and we were recording that album in set like separate tracks like um like we weren't all playing at the same time it was like one person would do it and then the another, next person would do it and it's just there's way less of a feel to it and it's harder i think to work with that material for what we're going for mm, i see between tracking and capturing mm -hmm. and so we just ultimately like while we love our songs on the ep and you know we're proud of it to whatever extent we didn't feel like it was the best representation of what we what our sound is and what we can do, especially having brought in a bassist later, which right. makes mm -hmm. a huge difference, mm -hmm. huge difference that we had no real concept of. Like people would say that to us, but you don't really understand until you add that element. Right, right. What is your, um, in terms of self-discipline, are you, how are you guys in terms of sitting down, um, whether it's individually or together, sitting down and getting to work? Are you, have you always been, and I guess let me, let me back it up a little bit, growing up, were you, did you find that your, your self-discipline was such that you would play and practice for hours and literally lose track of time and who called you and what day it is, right? Were you good that way? And then did you bring that discipline into the band and find um, that, that, that it's the same uh, mm -hmm. or it's intensified or, um, or you found in your bandmates a similar work ethic? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I like, I grew up taking piano lessons and guitar lessons and actually never took drum lessons, but I, uh, I did play a lot, but never what was on my assignment pad from my teacher. <laughs> um, it was just, you know, like you said, losing hours, losing track of time, but like, because I was having so much fun in this own world I was creating. And especially with drums, uh, it just, I would play by myself for years, you know, I, I didn't play drums in bands until pretty much this one. Uh, so with any instrument, this is true, I'd say, but especially with drums, playing by yourself versus playing with others is just worlds of difference. Mm -hmm. So in the two years that I've played in this band, I'd say I like my point A to point B in that time is a much like starker contrast than any of the other years and the 10 years I've played drums. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, when you have that meticulous, like week by week rehearsal schedule, absolutely. Yeah, we've definitely had yeah. this conversation several times because all three of us are not um, particularly disciplined people. I mean, <laughs> a lot of, uh, I mean, Morgan, I think Morgan's pretty good, but um, Nico and I definitely are not very disciplined. <laughs> but, yeah, wrote me, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I'm not very disciplined. Keep, keep things the boys safe. are really disciplined. Yeah. They're amazing. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about how it's just so much. Maybe this is just school mentality. Having you know, growing growing up in school and always having assignments due at whatever time. But when you have a goal that you're working towards, um, a performance or a deadline or something like that, mm -hmm. it makes it you know, harder in some ways, but mostly easier to motivate yourself to do it because you have to, because you're like, you have to, right. If, we, if we're not, if we don't practice for the show, we're going to sound like crap and then we're going to be embarrassed. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And, and people, and people will, they remember you frozen in time for the moment they saw you. Mm -hmm. right? And that becomes mm -hmm. that reference point where someone says like, uh, you know, hey, what about, what about this band? What about that band? Oh, I saw them one night and it was like this. Oh, totally. Right? right? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I, you know, I don't know. I think about, about creative focus and I, I, you know, I look at my students and I think like, why can't you guys focus? And it's like, well, because we're 19 and- <laughs> Yeah, <well>. right? <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, and we're super, you know, there's like a hormone issue that's like, is just raging through their brains. Um, and there's this freedom issue where it's like they can do anything that they want suddenly. Um, and then you're also asking them to focus on mm -hmm. writing an essay um, or doing a, a biology lab or do whatever that might be. Um, but yet, that being said, um, 
you know, to hear to hear you talk about drums and your own discipline growing up, um, crazy as hormones are, and crazy as all this freedom can be, we still are capable of a laser-like focus mm -hmm. when we choose the thing that right. we're focusing on. So you might be terrible in focusing in school, but yet you go play your violin and like you know you you just are in that world. So have you found that your focus really depends on the activity itself? Because it can vary. 100%. Very much so. 100%. Yeah, for so. sure. And, and I think it also depends on just like where you are in your own personal headspace. I have a hard time, even though, you know, music is what I love the most. I have a hard time sitting down and writing and playing and things like that because I'll get in my head about my ability level and like what I haven't reached at whatever point. And then like something in my ego makes me go like, oh, I, I gotta go do this thing over here. <laughs> like, and like, right. I'll step up and walk away, even though it is the thing that I love and I find the most joy from, it also carries a lot of weight that sometimes, so it just, it, for me, it depends. But yeah, like the laser-like focus, I, I, I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> yeah, it, it has a mind. Curious. Yeah. yeah. But it's it also, also per song too. Yeah. For me, it varies per song. Oh, it some does. Song, some songs I'm like, the the idea hits me. And I'm like, all right, blah, 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 there it oh, is. Totally. Other other times I'm like, I've had this idea for like months now, and I still got nothing. Mine, it'll be like that if I don't think if I have some kind of doubt about whether or not I like the song. If I if I really like the song, then I'm like, I can finish it in like half an hour. You know what I mean? So I write like some of my favorite songs. I write really really fast, and then some songs if I'm not sure about it. Oh my God, it'll take me forever. Cause I just, yeah. I won't be like confident or excited about it. And they'll feel like it's more of a task to finish. You know, it's a lot of people who listen to the show are aspiring artists of some kind, mm -hmm. um, whether it's painters or writers or musicians. And I think it's very instructive and important to hear, for them to hear what you just said, which is having doubts about my abilities. Mm -hmm. um, it's always interesting to hear um, even uh, someone like, uh, I don't know, like her, I remember Amy Winehouse was saying the same thing, you know, mm -hmm. 15 years ago. And it's sort of like, I'm so, what are you doubting? You're, you're like from the heavens. Um, <laughs> but, but there is, there, it's very instructive, I think, for anyone to hear you say that. Um, can you talk about how you deal with that and where you think that comes from? Because I mm -hmm. think you're marvelous. And, and I don't, I, I don't hear any doubt at all in your music. I hear an assured. You don't even um, hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a very you assured artistic voice. So thank you. <laughs> um, in other words, the thing is, is that the, the fans or the listeners, they don't hear that. That's private. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the root of that and how you, how you handle that. Well, I'll tell you that, like, I didn't pursue I've been writing songs for a really long time but I never shared them with anybody until like a few years ago um I Morgan and I met met in school for acting Nicola also went to school for acting um and I had spent so much time doing that and kind of being too afraid to do the thing that I really wanted to do you know I was like oh I'm still being an artist I'm still doing this thing that fulfills me but still knowing that something was missing because I wasn't doing that. And it basically just got to a point where I said, I have to do this at this, you know, like I can't keep having this feeling. It's not going away. So I, I can't even indulge those, those feelings of doubt or fear anymore. It's just kind of like, I just have to do it for the sake of doing it. If people don't like it, they don't like it. And if they do like it, Hell yeah, <laughs> let's, let's keep going. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, I still hit roadblocks and I'm sure both of these guys can add to this conversation as well. But like, um, you know, really the only thing you can do is just kind of strong arm yourself into doing it anyway. And then the only way that you can feel good about what you do is to prove to yourself in the moment that you can do it. It's also that um, not every song you write is going to be perfect. Yeah. Right. And recognizing that, that like we're all like, even like one thing I remembered from my English class is that we don't always, like we, we get to read these full novels and they're perfect form as they're meant to be read. 
we don't see the drafts of we don't get to see the drafts that Fitzgerald had for Great Gatsby mm -hmm. and like all of, all the like maybe he had some really bad paragraphs and really bad sentences maybe he hated it when he, he was writing it he might so, have so like, so like recognizing that it's like even even some of the classics like those artists still had their um still had work that that maybe wasn't that great and that they needed to develop and, and work on to become the great classics that they are now and so recognizing that and from for me it helps take that pressure off it's like okay we are all struggling artists we all have that crippling self-doubt that creeps in and so it's, it's so it's just finding ways to just keep working through it if the song isn't working maybe we can make it work later or we mm -hmm. can find a new song that'll that'll do the job and also just trusting you know to many like usher your songwriting Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Or you can if you want. <laughs> no, 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 start it off. I'll see where you're going here. <laughs> so Nicola, um, you know, he is really skilled playing a, a few different instruments, but never really let himself, like, complete a song, like, writing a song that has wanted to. Um, and so he and I have been talking about it a little bit. And, you know, something that I said to him that had helped me, and I remember resonated with him as well, was just that, like, you know, if you if you're someone writing a song or someone doing any kind of art and you really care a lot about that kind of art and you do you, like ask yourself do you trust your taste in that art like do i trust my taste in music enough to trust myself to say this song isn't good or like i don't like this song so i don't want to write it anymore or trust your taste enough to be like this song is good and i can feel good about that opinion of it because i trust my taste yeah. Yeah, no, and just I truly was like another game changer, which was around the same time that Sam and I had that conversation. Was uh, I live with my brother, who um, one day he was like leaving the house on a weekend and saw that I was just chilling on the couch playing guitar, and he was like, "Oh, are you gonna write a song or something?" I was like, "Oh no, man, like I, I don't write. I suck at writing songs, whatever." He was like, "But, but have you ever done it?" <laughs> it's just like oh shit you know what how can i suck at writing songs if i've yeah, never i was like it? i mean i i have tried but yeah have i ever really done it like you know start to finish like even if it sucks you know like is there a completed thing i can really stand behind and like yeah it, it wasn't a long list yeah, so okay. and it's like do you suck or or are you just getting two in your head to complete the Pass. Well, you're not even giving yourself the time to yeah. suck because you, you got to suck first. You do got to do it no matter what. You always suck first. Like, yeah, you always, so rare your that first you song's always going to suck. Um, <laughs> and, and I like to go back to drums even, there was a long period where like I was certain I plateaued. Like I was like, there's no more improvement for me here. I'm like, this is the best I'll ever get at drums, which is a ridiculous way to think for anything. But, um, but yeah, I the moment I started playing in band settings again, uh, I was like, okay, there's so much more room to explore here. Mm -hmm. there's, there's plenty of ways to go. Yeah, and your your brother made a really good point because <laughs> I know people um, who are writers who have never written a book, and it's sort of like, why don't you just do that? I mean, you have they have plenty of drafts of things that could become books, mm -hmm. um, but there seems to be something stopping them, whether whatever that may be, motivation or fear or whatever. Um, but if you know, if an artist lives long enough and creates long enough, you get this body of work where you could say, you know, Meet the Beatles is not Sgt. Pepper's. I mean, mm -hmm. right. totally. I mean, it's totally trackable progress. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, I mean, if you if you look at, at actors, it's the same the same thing. Oh yeah. You know, Johnny Depp on Twenty One Jump Street is not Johnny Depp and Ed Wood. It's just mm -hmm. it's a different it's a different artist. But at the same time, it's like what you were saying about how some people can go to a concert and have, you know, maybe it was a bad show for them. And then they have that opinion of them forever, even though, like, I remember the way that I used to feel about Anne Hathaway. I, like, hated her for no reason. Right. Because of Devil Wears Prada, which was something that, like, wasn't even her fault. And then it just carried through to all of her performances. But I suppose, like, the, the antidote to that is just that, you, you know, she did prove me wrong later. Like I saw Les Mis and I was like, she's got it. Yeah. You know, you can always redeem yourself. You can. And she is a marvelous actress. Yeah, she's a great actress. She did not deserve that opinion no, <laughs> that I had of her. I agree. I, I, I think a lot of people felt that. Yeah. Um, and where she was someone that people love to hate. Um, mm -hmm. and, there, and there are even bands like that as well. Um, speaking of, of Anne Hathaway, who came from the theater, 
um, how did being being theatrical kids, how did that inform uh, what happens in the band? Um, so, where do I begin? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so like I haven't grown up in theater and like my, my dad taught high school drama and so and so that I've been involved in theater my entire life. And so my my songwriting naturally came from a storytelling background. I was like, and from a musical theater writing background since I'm writing musicals as well. So it's like the character needs to start in one place and end in another place. And that's supposed to progress the plot in a certain way. And so that's that's how I always approached songwriting. And so working in a band and just writing individual songs that aren't attached to any show or, or plot necessarily has been really, has been a great journey to like delve into myself and my own arcs and my own emotional process and development. So that's, and so it's still taking that storytelling aspect, but applying it more to myself mm-hmm. yeah. and then applying it more to our sound and our, and our musical and emotional journey. Yeah, I think that's like the biggest thing is the storytelling element. I think we all consider ourselves storytellers. Um, Except for Yankee Jim, no storytelling there. <laughs> but also our audience members uh, and friends of ours have said that um, both individually as in a group and as a group, we seem really comfortable on stage. And I think that absolutely comes from- Oh yeah, I don't know that like how comfortable I would be doing this if I didn't have that. Yeah, and we've rolled oh, with yeah. punches on stage that have gotten thrown at us, I think with like- Yeah, you definitely pretty, know how to adapt. good skill, yeah, we, yeah, we've, yeah. Like, we've done some really uh, in the moment problem solving that can certainly be uh, credited to those mm-hmm. theater the, years. The banter is a lot easier. Yeah. And, and audience <laughs> yeah. involvement too. It's like when you're involved in theater, especially you're you're used to gauging off the audience and reading the room and mm-hmm. and reacting with them. And uh, no, knowing when you can just step out and like, all right, you guys want to hear something like this? Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, hey, you want to hear this? Silence. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I brought it up. Are you guys still doing stuff in the theater or looking to do acting as well? Or are you really solely focused on the music? I've, uh, I know I've, I've been doing a lot recently. I, uh, uh, the last year I've been involved in a couple of theater productions. I uh, performed in a production of Once Out in Portland, Oregon. I was uh, about to go into tech for another show in Connecticut and then the pandemic hit. And so then the show was canceled. And uh, a music, a musical that I wrote about Edgar Allan Poe premiered at a, uh, a university in Utah last November. Sorry, and so keeping so, keeping that going, and I and I still have the hopes for for keeping up that work. But it's been a balance of like, especially since we have this this great thing going. It's it's hard to just like when I did once, like suddenly all of our band stuff had to stop for like two months. Yeah, I like hated Morgan during the whole <laughs> process because I'm trying so, so to So now it's like I want to keep acting, but it's also like right. I want to we have this really beautiful thing going. So I don't want to I don't want to step on this and, and stop it before it can really take off. It's definitely a balance and I think theater particularly is hard. You know, uh Nicola and I are both like I would say more T V film oriented at this point ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but like theater, the benefit of that is like theater just takes up so much of your time. I mean, you're in rehearsals for weeks and then you have sometimes an open-ended run or whatever, and it, it'll take your nights. And then how do you have a band at the same time? So trying to like negotiate that the bandits do a really good job of like doing those different projects. Like when Adrian was, um, working on, um, well, yeah, Dickinson. he, he booked, Dickinson, yeah. yeah, the yeah, TV yeah. show that he's on, like, the week that we were to open Oh, yeah, we were going to go Atlanta. and, like, play with yeah. them, yeah. Uh, and, you have to, and then that same week, we played Atlanta, like, we drove down to Atlanta on Tuesday or Wednesday, right? And then, or no, we drove down Tuesday, we played Wednesday, we drove back Thursday. I got my hair cut and my beard shaved on Friday because I was playing a soldier in an indie film on Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was so fun. I, like, that, to answer your question, like, if we could continue to find ways to, that both work in the schedule, absolutely. It's so, like it's really fun to live that kind of life. It's so difficult to negotiate, especially when all of us are like, cause both, we have two cellists now because our first cellist is also a theater artist and she is work, she's making this uh, 
the Shakespeare Festival in Santa Fe. She's helping them like create it from the ground up. And um, she's been doing that in the summers. And so we're like losing her for months yeah. <laughs> when we want to play. And the summer's like prime, like music festival. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. so we found another cellist, but she's also a theater artist. <laughs> so we're just like, we want to nurture each other as artists and like allow us to do all the things that we you know feel good about whatever but there's only so much time especially when we all have jobs and trying yeah. to navigate that with five people is like oh yeah, it's, it's a logistical nightmare it is. It's, it's funny you mentioned a haircut and i think how exotic because none of us have had <laughs> oh yeah no i haven't done it since <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that i will say is that i listened to your album and it doesn't sound to me like a debut album. It sounds like a band who's been together for years. There's yeah. a beautiful synergy and um, there's a kind of old soul quality to the music um, where it feels like you guys have uh, been together for decades. It feels well-worn and it feels, um, it feels wise and vulnerable and, um, and it's sort of a kind of a, a knowledge about the world that comes from um, having been together for, for a really long time. It's amazing to me to think that you haven't been a band. <laughs> it's such an accomplished, beautiful, beautiful album. And even just seeing you guys together, it's so great to see your body language and to see that you're all so close. Mm -hmm. And that explains to me what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, you, you are really, um, I look at you guys and I think like, I really want 15 albums from you and a 30 year career because I feel that, what you guys are going to do is really going to be something I'm investing in your stock is what I'm saying. I really love your record. And I, and I just, it feels, I brought, you know, Patty Griffin up because that was when you listen to living with ghosts, it's like, this is your first record. How is this uh -huh. possible? But it's this good. Um, because there's no, I don't hear any wobble or uncertainty or getting your legs. It's like, it's all here. It's fully formed. And I, I want to congratulate you. And I'm glad I can do it face to face. Um, it's really a beautiful, beautiful album. Thank you so much. You. That's really helpful in these times to hear such like an eloquent reaction to the album. So thank you. Like, that's very helpful. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hope that you... Um, I hope you guys can come to California and see us here in Berkeley. Oh yeah, we were hoping to when we were, we did like a Southern California tour uh, just so that our friends and family could kind of see what we've been doing. Yeah. Um, and we were hoping to go up North, but it just didn't work out uh, monetarily. But yeah, that's definitely the goal is to do more uh, West Coast stuff because we have a lot of uh, friends and family out there. Um, please come back on the show. Uh, yeah. I, I love talking to you guys and it's- it's yeah, thank you. To, yeah. yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for going deep with me. Yeah, oh, thank awesome. you. This My is pleasure. Yeah, like Mark Maron level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun talking to you. Please stay safe, and uh, and we'll we'll have you back on the show. Thank you very much. Satin nickel, lovely people. Fantastic debut album. Go get it. SatinNickelMusic.com. Uh, drop in there and see what's going on with them. Order the album. Uh, tell all your friends. You know how it works. Go to my website, AlexGreenOnline.com, and uh, see what's happening with me. My new book is out. It quietly uh, hit the streets amidst a pandemic and uh, an important cultural conversation about race. My timing uh, to put out a new book, well, it might have been terrible, so I sort of, uh, I sort of quietly am announcing it. <laughs> yeah, via a very tasteful trumpet. Uh, go check out my book if you have a chance. Uh, hit up your indie bookseller. They'll get it for you. Malro and the Midnight Organ Fight. If you buy the book and you like the book, uh, send it over to me and I'll sign it for you and I'll send it back. Maybe I'll throw something else in there. Maybe some uh, Stereo Embers swag. Do we have any of that? Uh, if not, I'll just throw in a pack of Lifesavers. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Please go to the one that you use, subscribe, leave us a rating, tell all your friends. Uh, that's a powerful trio of things you can do to help us. 
Follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor or follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Let's close the show with another new song from Satin Nickel. This is a great one. They're all great, but this is one of my favorites. It's called Call It. Enjoy it. And thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. Oh, here we go again, the threat of leaving me behind. Another week or two where all you are is on my mind. I, I never thought I'd be a please don't leave me kind of girl. But here I am, too bad for me. We're stuck in circles, baby. You ever wonder why we've stayed when we don't want to be here? The way we're too stuck in our ways, becoming very clear. And I want you, baby, but you're not a man that I can trust. And so I think it's best we face the facts and hide. Just rip the bandaid off and call it, baby. Not looking for.